Ready Check Radio. What's up, Internet? I never get tired of that music. Welcome to the Relic Grind Final Fantasy XIV Square Enix podcast brought to you by Ready Check Radio. It's Thursday at 7 p.m. That means we're doing the show. You're watching it on YouTube, listening to it on Spotify later, but we hope you'll stop on over to readycheckradio.com when you get a chance. Follow everywhere. Maybe join us live here on Twitch Thursdays at 7 p.m. when we're doing the show. It's a busy show today. We've got special guests, so we just kind of got to get right to it. Introducing my co-hosts, you know one of them, you love them, Adam Lane, Mr. Kronos, what's up? Uh, not much, I'm ready to talk about some cards actually for the first time in a while. It's, it's um, been, this, this has got to feel I, like a throwback episode for you. It's 100% a throwback, <laughs> like other guy that's on the other side of this, uh, I haven't been on a podcast with in quite some time. But we know each other, we're very well acquainted. Yes, Mr. Lane is speaking about the one, the only, Mr. Chris Adams of the RVA Returners in Virginia, how are you sir? I am doing well, my friend. Uh, good seeing both of you. Uh, we, me and Adam were actually joking that we were going to you know, ransack this podcast and turn it into the uh, RVA Returners Wolfpack podcast. Yeah, there was, so. there was talk of a takeover while I was working on something before the show. I, was, I did not know how to feel about that one. Like, I got, I got my own battles to fight. Well, you're welcome to join us. Oh, so it's a throwback. Some of you don't know, but we're going to talk today a little bit about FFTCG first. Final Fantasy trading card game. Now, we have talked about that on this show before. We have certainly streamed it. We did some unboxing of six boxes last Friday when Opus six, uh, sorry, Opus 12 came out. Uh, we did unboxing of the pre-release. My sons and I have done some uh, broadcast games before. But Adam and Chris here are part of a group in Virginia called, uh, as I mentioned, the RVA Returners, a good group of cats that are into a Final Fantasy trading card game, really all things Final Fantasy uh, that whole group, and they do a ton of Final Fantasy TCG content and other content. You want to give them a little plug? I know they have a YouTube channel. You guys do your own podcast specifically for the TCG while we just cover it here when there's big stuff going on. So want to make sure we get everybody uh, checking out the RVA returners there. If you would uh, give them the info, Mr. Adams. Yeah, I mean, I mean, sounds like you hit the nail right on the head. Uh, you know, RVA Returners, you can check us out on YouTube. The YouTube channel's been a little bit dry, you know, uh, been a little bit dry because of COVID. Um, we have a Twitch channel that we do. It's uh, twitch.tv uh, slash RVA Snugsy, and that's uh, John Schreiner, my current co-host. Um, he, uh, you know, we did we had the old passing the torch from Adam to John. Um, so definitely a solid replacement, you know, not, not replacement, you know, once a returner, always a returner. He's got the, he's got the branding. <laughs> he's you know, so right he's there. there, Chris. Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. He's, he's always, <laughs> let's part wait of the till game, he leaves know? the room before we talk <laughs> about his replacement. <laughs> but, nah, but, uh, but yeah, we, uh, you know, we have gotten back to a normal recording schedule again. Like we said, COVID kind of put everything in a weird space, but, uh, you know, we do our, we just released episode 93, uh, this past week. You can check that out on SoundCloud. Um, you can uh, check us out. We always post in the uh, Final Fantasy TCG uh, NA mm-hmm. group on Facebook. Uh, we have our Facebook page, RVA Returners, that we, uh, you know, we post different, you know, if we're doing camera games online, you know, we'll post the decks we played. We'll, you know, post the podcast. Um, 
just any kind of information that's going on. But yeah, uh, we have the the octagon the octagon weekly that we do every Wednesday at seven p.m. Eastern. Um, and if you want to play, we have a Discord. Just contact John Schreiner for that. Um, uh, or if you want to watch it again, you can check us check out. We stream it every week on uh, Twitch TV. RVA Snugsy. So I think I think I plugged Damn, it all. That was that it. was like all the returners. That yeah. <laughs> was everything. <laughs> Great crew. I've had the pleasure of meeting most of them in person, uh, all of them at least digitally or, or online on Facebook, playing against many of them. In fact, both of you gentlemen I've played against at uh, various Final Fantasy TCG tournaments. Mr. Uh, Adam Lane there, I played you when I was uh, probably should not have been at a competitive event yet. I was not familiar enough with the cards, knew the mechanics and how to play, but had to bother everybody by reading their cards. And then, Mr. Adams, uh, you and I played uh, in a two-deck format down in yeah, your neck fun, of the woods. Actually. That was a lot of fun. We, we met up in round one there. We uh, did, yeah. Actually, uh, that, that video is still on YouTube. I actually watched it the other day. It was funny. <laughs> the best part of that is Adam Lane coming out and forgetting and not realizing who won. He came out and was like, all right, we're going to move the camera to the other table. And Chris was like, mm-hmm. Vern and I are going to game three. What are you, what are you doing? Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, I decked out in the game one. Oh, okay. I had to run back and bring the stream back up. But, yeah, you two have done, like, commentary for official Square Enix uh, Final Fantasy trading card events like the the Crystal Cup uh, last year that was in Virginia and a number of other events. So good cats with me to talk about something that all of you on this channel know I very near and dear to my heart, something I absolutely love, and that is... EFFTCG. So Opus 12 came out, and for those of you not really into the game, bear with us. This this will not be a whole FFTCG episode. We still have 14 news. We still have other Square Enix news, including maybe the money uh, ain't exactly where they want it to be right now, given some things we've talked about on this show. So let us get through this. We're going to do kind of a mini set review, gentlemen. I think that's like the best way to handle this. We'll talk uh about multi-element cards right because that's new to opus 12 and then instead of like reviewing all the elements or anything i figure in the context of a podcast let's go through the legends you know those are the ones that everybody's looking to potentially build a deck around uh or enhance a deck that they have now or at least experiment with the new sexies so let's uh let's take a look at those so first off up the off the bat here we do have, and let me go to my B-roll image here for you. We do have multi-element cards. Adam, you want to talk a little bit for maybe inexperienced players how these work since they are new to Opus 12 while I get one displayed? Uh, sure, yeah. So essentially before this set, you know, there, every uh, card only had one element tied to it. Um, and so with this set, I believe, I don't know the exact number. Chris probably knows. Um, but I know there's one legend for like a bunch of different combinations. Yeah, there's... In all the combinations that were in this set, which I believe were Water Lightning, Fire Ice, Wind Earth, and uh, Earth uh, Earth Lightning, there's three dual elements in each of those color combinations. Yeah, but uh, essentially th- this character counts as both elements and can mm-hmm. be discarded to create either element that they wish. They have to choose yeah. one uh, when mm-hmm. they're discarded. Uh, and then when to, to, in order to play them, you have to spend at least one of each yep. in order to play them. Yeah, so this is, we've seen this in other TCGs, and that's something we keep coming back to, particularly uh, Adam and I when we talk on this show, Chris, about when we talk TCG at all, is that there's always elements of FFTCG that they're really pulled from or inspired from 
almost directly. Not like they got an idea and they switched it. They make it work for this game. And we've seen multi-element cards in Magic the Gathering and things like that. This is Final Fantasy's version of them. Now, they do open up, I I think, a little bit of what could potentially maybe down the road be a little bit of a can of worms because up until this point, you could only overpay by one uh, for any particular card that you were casting. Now, this does potentially open up for later down the line some wonky plays where you can almost cheat your way into overpaying by two because of the element requirement now. Uh, And I remember this actually coming up in a locals game trying to duck... I forget the card... uh, what card it was it wasn't it wasn't bar uh, barthandalus but it was one of those uh all the um active backups get dull and frozen at the end of turn type effect that was going on and somebody trying to cheat an overpayment to dull those backups so that they didn't get dull and frozen and that was illegal at the time because they could only overpay by one now this does open up potential for maybe overpaying by two but all in all they do create, create for the most part, cheaper, more powerful effects. And that's always good for the deck creation side, if maybe not ultimately the long-term longevity power creep of, of the game, Chris. Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're definitely hitting the nail on the head there. Um, th- these cards, honestly, I, w- I was telling Adam earlier, these cards could be blank. And I think they would still be playable for the most part because the fact that, and all of them are pretty much searchable um, in whatever deck you're placing them in, either by their, their uh, one of their elements, their job, their category, you yeah. name it. Um, so the fact that you could have color fixing on demand, which up until a few sets ago, until they started printing these dual element Moogles and things like that, you know, playing two colors three colors was was tough yeah. like you ran into consistency <laughs> am i running issues. light or dark because that determines whether i'm running chaos or cosmos there we go <laughs> exactly exactly and nowadays you just don't have to worry about that because you can play you know it was kind of funny adam we used to joke about it we used to joke about mono earth astinian right mm-hmm. and like but now you can play mono decks with um you know one of these new dual element cards um one that i'm talking about, and i, I don't want to jump the gun here but I think uh, the new Thancred is, to me, he's a mono lightning card. But you have ways outside of lightning to search this guy. You have ways outside of water to search this guy. So, like, they, they open up a lot in terms of paying for cards efficiently and effectively, um, regardless of the text on the card. Yeah. So, uh, Adam, they do also, though, uh, extend out of the Legends category. They're not all Legend cards. We're going to show all the legend ones uh, here in just a moment as we go through and do our little legend review and kind of pick our favorites. But as far as the multi-element cards, whether it's a legend or not, you've had a chance to take a look at the set. You haven't played in a while, but lately you've been kind of creeping back in. You know, <laughs> just when you thought you're, you're out, Chris Adams pulls you back in. My plan is working to a T. <laughs> do you have a favorite right now? Of just the dual elements? Love the dual, the multi-element cards, yeah. They're uh, all four words for right now, by the way, too. That should be noted that all of them in Opus 12 are four words. Yeah, I, I'm probably going to steal Chris's answer here, but I really like Regis a lot. Uh, I think he's really cool. Uh, I actually read him wrong the first time when uh, I was playing with Chris's deck. 
Well, it's kind of easy to do because it is the worst <laughs> translated card we've had to date. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he could like only bring back lighter dark cards, but it's anything but lighter dark. Yeah. Um, and with some of the new cards that exist and even some older cards, you can do some pretty absurd things with him uh, just for like the five CP that he costs. I mean, and he's a good sized body and, and he just makes other things that sh probably shouldn't be threats. Threats. Uh, and then things that are threats just stronger. So, and then he's got a, a blowout S ability too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think I'm going to have to go with. Um, uh, I'm going to have to go with Yishtola. Uh, even though it's not exactly, and that's one we're going to cover here, so I, I won't talk too long about it here. Even though it is one that uh, it's not in element combinations that I play personally an awful lot, I can still appreciate the value of that card in that particular wind earth combination it's power in windex if you don't want to use the other yishtola for whatever wincon reason you might want or if you want to skew more earth it's just i think that thing is just stupid protected uh, and i like the idea of having another card name yishtola that requires wind players to start making choices because from prior to this and not saying that this like a mono win player this isn't a consideration right unless chris you like you're talking about you want to splash in a little bit of earth to specifically play so this yishtola uh yeah. but if you are playing you know wind earth it isn't just all right give me the three drop straight wind yishtola because that's three slots it might not be now and i like anytime that happens with specific unique named cards i think it just creates a little more uh, creative juices that need to go into creating a deck rather than yep. oh, I'm going to play mono wind. All right, 41 slots are taken up. What do I want in the last nine to give my personality to this deck? Uh, yeah, no, so that, I think that's going to be my favorite there. Yeah, I, I saw her flip off of a Vaughn in a deck that had no earth cards in it. So oh, that's and, uh, nasty. <laughs> it's pretty good. And that, because that's one thing too. Um, you can still cheat the dual oh, element absolutely. cards into play like you could any other forward. Um, and since Adam took mine, I actually do have another one that I've been really um, been playing a lot of and I like a lot. And I don't want to go into too much detail because I'm sure we'll cover her. That's the new Ferris. Yeah. Um, all I'm going to say is she took an archetype that was pretty bad, just it was like casual tier archetype, and turned it into a very competitive deck all by herself. Yeah. Um, like with that. A, a, the deck before her was a D plus at best. The deck with her is like an A minus, and that's that's huge. That, that's how good this card is. So I absolutely agree, uh, Chris. You want to angle your camera down? I think when you sat back, you gave me that headroom back. So. I just had to get had to get lounging, man. Yeah, you had to lounge. That's uh, totally understandable. We're getting poolside here, boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's kind of talk about the legends. We've alluded to them. Uh, let's go to the, the camera. We've got the table cam set up so that everybody can see the cards we're talking about. We're not using the images. We're using the actual cards, gentlemen. This is a man's house right here. <laughs> uh, let's start, obviously, we'll just start off the top. We'll take them in the order that they come set number-wise, which puts us in fire first. So we're looking at the 10-drop fire forward, 10-zen job samurai with brave 9k power. This... This ability is disgusting, but probably limited in the actual use that you'll you'll see it in. If somebody's not running a total Samurai's deck or at least a pretty beefy Samurai package, this card sees no play. So it is a very specific uh, legend. It is maybe in Fire, Monofire or Fire X where you 
cheat in a little more samurai backup action and, and things like that. Yeah, maybe you throw a Tenzen or two in there. If you're doing a straight tribal samurai deck, absolutely this card's going in there and juices the the power creep on that thing. Uh, at the end of each of your turns, reveal the top five cards of your deck. Add one job samurai or card name samurai among them to your hand. Return the other cards at the bottom of your deck in any order. And when Tenzen leaves the field, by the way, if those effects weren't good enough, why don't you go ahead, Chris, and get yourself one job samurai or card name samurai of cost three or less from the break zone and put that bitch back in which your hand. He's practically saying go get Cyan back. Exactly. Chat saying it's all of the RV returners. <laughs> That's right, baby. That's right. We're back. We're back for the next episode. Uh, again, gotcha. stupid effect. I know somebody that is absolutely going to run this in our locals. They were already playing a samurai tribal deck and enjoying it. This just makes it even stronger. It's not an impossible deck to beat by any stretch of the imagination. It's very swarmy. If you can catch it with a board clear at a bad time, the game's basically over. But this does make it a little bit harder to do for six CP and value every single turn you can get it to survive. Not too bad, Adam. Yeah, I feel like this is a card that if Samurai's like getting more stuff as it goes forward, you'll always come back and look at this guy. But like you said right now, I think it's more of just like a deck that like if you really like Samurai's, it obviously makes it a lot better. Um, but I don't I don't think it just like shoots tam Samurai's like tier one or something. Uh, I don't no, really see that happening. I don't, I Until don't they print so. some more stuff. But the thing is, like now every time you see Job Samurai on any card, you have to probably think of this guy. It so. does It does make you think, though, uh, Chris, if you are running, let's say, a Mono Fire or maybe a Fire Lightning uh, type deck, you know, Samurai Dragoons even, or, or something goofy like that, this is a very nice way to cheat your backup line because you don't, you don't care about your backup line as much in that type of hyper-aggression, let's get a bunch of forwards out, throw some job samurai backups in there and start grabbing them every single turn. It does provide some efficiency and quickness to a deck that's looking to be quick already, even if it's not a full samurai tribal build. No, absolutely. Uh, but one of the things about Tenzin 2, um, especially if, if you start playing against it, um, clearly Opus 12 has a lot of tribal synergies, and we'll see that with yeah. some of the other legends. Um, it makes... All these new samurais, because there is also a new samurai backup in this set as well, just a two-drop standard unit samurai. Anytime you see a card named Samurai, you start making the Opus 11 Cyan that much better. Um, and Because th that, that card is really the backbone of the samurai list. Yep. This guy is going to make it so you, you have to really think about your opponent's board setup, because are you going to try to kill the Cyan with Tenzin on board? Because then they're just going to get the Cyan back once you deal with the Tenzin, or do you have to deal with the Tenzin now, possibly have them get back an Aroha, or an Ayame, or a, a, a Gosetsu to search out a Hein or Hien. Um, so he creates a lot of awkward lines uh, for the opponent of the Samurai player. And like you guys both said, the turn he comes into play, he's essentially costing you four. His co the, the refund on that cost is a little delayed. Um so he's going to essentially cost you four. I mean, yeah, you're looking at five and picking one, but if you're in a dedicated samurai build, you're going to hit one. You you are. Yeah. Um. And then when he dies, you're getting something back in return. He's he's a, he's a good he's a legend in the fact that he pretty much refunds himself. Oh, and he's also just a nine k brave. Yeah, that's all. So that's <laughs> that's mine all. Too, right. That's all. Yeah. One to ten, uh, Mr. Lane. What do you give it? Uh, I'm gonna probably go on the lower side. Just say six, just because the power level I feel like is not quite there yet, but. I mean, he's a card that could... His value's only going to go up. So, yep. Chris? 
Uh, also a six uh, for everything Adam just said. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to give it a seven just because I've had my ass kicked by Samurais once in Locals and it wasn't nice. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I still keep it towards the more average side of things because, uh, yeah, Shamtoto fucks the day for this thing. So. <laughs> Next up, we've got the two-drop ice legend, the Emperor. Uh, I see you, Matt Rice. Hey, girl. <laughs> I've seen <laughs> Seen that going back and forth all day. You guys are lunatics. Mr. Rice is somebody we have to have on the show, too, sometime. Um, so, two drop 5K ice forward when the Emperor enters the field. If you have two or more card, name the Emperor in your break zone. Your opponent discards one from their hand. When the Emperor is put from the field in the break zone, you may search for one card named Emperor and put it into the break zone. If you do so, play the Emperor from your break zone onto the field. Dull at the end of the turn. Some of those the emperors need to be treated as this card. Some of them don't. So maybe a little confusing for those of you that uh, aren't actively playing the game. Uh, this is by far the best card to get in pre Well, no, no, it really. <laughs> it, it was pulled it as a legend in my pre release kit when we were actually playing and almost cried that it was the legend I got because it was just immediately. Put it in the pile of not playing this. Uh, not a very good sealed card. Not yeah. a very good sealed card at all. Uh, you know, they, at least Tenzin has targets. <laughs> this one, unless you double draw uh, in a pre-release kit, which is highly unlikely in those two legends back-to-back. Uh, -back, yeah, not that great. But inside a more standard constructed format, uh, Chris, when you've got other the Emperor cards to consider... As far as targets in the deck going to break zone and the value of bringing those to and from different places, does this one hold any water for you? Yes, it does. I, I like how you started with me. I actually I played a, a Emperor deck in the locals last night. Um, it was based on a Japanese list I saw. Uh, the card's actually very good. Um, it's not, you know, lighting the world on fire, but it becomes a very sticky annoying body is probably the best way to put it because um, use this card in conjunction with the old 5 CP heroic emperor from Opus 1 go um, go search so and bring back you and, go and, 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 and you're already halfway to and you're yeah. already halfway there so now when that 2 CP emperor dies they're you're discarding your opponent's going to be discarding and they're going to be discarding from here on out um, on average I probably have my opponent discard seven eight cards over the course of a game with the emperor and that's a lot for a two CP oh. body and also yeah and I'm also thinning out my deck um it the card the card it, when I first saw it I was like uh, this seems like it's I mean it's got a lot of a lot of words on it <laughs> it's got a lot of text so you know it, it it has a pretty legendary effect and that's the thing about legend they all have some kind of legendary effect um once I started playing this card, it clicked. Um, and I actually played it on a whim in a wind ice list. I was like, you know, I just want to do it. I want to see what it's all about. And I was like, oh, wow, this in conjunction with other discard effects. Um, he's great against Neo X death. He's great against like fanfrit strategies. Um, he's just, and he's just the ultimate chump blocker. So he's just, just a good card. Just, a, and you, you don't want to, you don't want to remove this guy like yep. purposely. And even like board cleaves, you're like, all right, fine. I'll put him back and make you discard a card. So, like he's good. I think he's a good card, but he's very specific. You're building a deck. You're dedicating like nine to eleven slots of your deck to yeah. a card named Emperor. And that's my problem with it. And I definitely had Chris one of the moments you had when I when this one was first spoiled. I read this and I was like, oh shit! I feel bad for Ice players. This is terrible. Uh, this is an awful legend to get, particularly now that they each element only gets one solo element legend because the other ones are split into dual element uh, cards. 
I'm like, oh, poor ice players. I'm not feeling too bad. I'm not generally a fan of discard decks and things like that anyway. So I wasn't I wasn't personally crying, but I could I was like, this card sucks. And I thought about us more, went back a day or two later, read it, and I was like, you know what? A five drop emperor popped into my head because that was already sticky. Uh, going and getting other versions and replacing them every time you killed it. I'm like, well, shit, now this makes them sticky. And, oh, by the way, each time you make it sticky, they're going to pay for that. Oh, shit, that is kind of good. But for me, I am I, not as high on this one as you won. I'm not generally a fan of discard. I just don't like it as a tactic. That doesn't mean I haven't played it. Uh, or and won't play it in a future tournament. It's strong. There's no doubt. It's just not a personal flavor of mine that I enjoy playing. Uh, so there's that aspect. But I think the more important aspect is the the thing you said at the very end. There was you really. This is not let me build a deck around uh, a concept. This is let me build a deck around the fucking emperor. Uh, and it has to be very catered to that. Now that there's no doubt you can do some wonky, powerful things with it. I just personally wouldn't enjoy a playing a deck that is built specifically around this particular card. So I'm probably going to rate this one a little lower than you. Don't let that reflect its actual power. It's I'm not saying it's a good or bad card. It's my personal preference on that. Sure. Uh, go go ahead, Kronos. Your thoughts. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of more leaning a little bit more toward Chris because I've seen it now in action. And uh, it can do a lot of cool stuff, especially with the way the meta looks to be shaping up right now. Having something that's sticky seems to matter a lot um, because you don't know, like... And, and just having a blocker that's sticky because you don't know if, like, you're going to get... You can actually, like, survive those removal turns and still keep a body on the board, which kind of seems to be very important. Uh, but you do have to dedicate a fair amount of your deck, right? I mean, I'm assuming that at least six cards... To this guy. Um, I think you gotta I'm go at playing, least nine. I have one, two, I have ten. No, I have mm -hmm. nine. I have one backup, two dark, three of the Opus Five Legend, and three of the Opus uh, Twelve Legend. Okay, so, so it's yeah, nine. I, I think yeah. you gotta go at least nine because you want to pump two to the break zone as fast as you can, really. Whether that's yeah. through chump blocks or through straight discards to pay for things, something like that. Which mm -hmm. means if you go six, now you only have four stickies to keep well, recycling to the board. I think you want a few more than that. Yeah, and then uh, I think one of the things I saw last night too, when I was watching the deck a little bit, uh, because you have like Dark Emperors now, like the, the kind of like you discard, I discard cards seem yeah. a little bit better, like because yeah, like right? yep. yeah. yeah, so so that way, like I don't, it's not stuck in my hand. I basically get value by forcing you to discard, and I'm putting an Emperor in my break zones. I think it's really cool. Uh, I I don't know if it's like ground shatteringly good yeah. or anything, but I think it's good. I went one higher than you guys on the last one. I'll go first here. I'm going to bump this one down to a six for me. There's no denying its power. There's no denying how much fun could be had with it for somebody that enjoys this type of particular archetype. It's not my favorite type of an archetype, so I'm taking some points off for that, not for the general power or usefulness of the card. I'll give it a six. Chris? Uh, I'm actually going to give it a seven um, because I think it is a good card. It's a very specific card, um, but it's it's fun, um, and it's also you know, you know actually can I scratch that? I'm gonna give it an eight because it also has the best art in the game <laughs> in the set in the set. So I'm gonna give it an eight. I'm giving it an eight, one point for the art, but it's it's a it's a good card, just very specific. Kronos? yeah, I'll be firmly in the middle. I'm gonna go with a seven. I, I think it's got a lot of good things about it, but I think the negative is that you do have to dedicate a good amount of space to it. Mm -hmm. Agree, so. agree. 
That's why I'm. So I take a point away because I don't like the archetype. Chris gives it an extra point for the art. Kronos being the voice of reason. That's right. <laughs> All right, Miss Box Art herself, Mono Wind Ash. We'll start with you this time, Kronos. Uh, yeah. Uh, this card, I like this card a lot. Actually, it does a lot for two CP. Um, she gets bigger and she draws cards. So I kind of, I kind of like that. She's pretty simple, honestly, and straight to the point. Uh, yeah, so I think two drop five k. Got six or yeah. more characters. Gets two thousand power and can't be chosen by opponent's abilities. And at the end of each of your turns, if you've cast three or more cards this turn, draw a card. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think, and then uh, cast is you know mono win has a really hard time with putting six <laughs> characters on the board though, Kronos. Uh, yeah. I mean that's yeah. really yeah. tough for for win decks to do. It, it's free a bad price. They do <laughs> right. that pretty well. So. Yeah, I, I I think I you know, and it seems like drawing cards is like a pretty big theme in the set, as well as like casting. That's like a new kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and they had to kind of really be specific about what's considered casting now. And I had to read up on that actually. Um, so it's pretty interesting. I, I like her a lot. I don't I don't think again. I don't think she's very earth shattering, but I, I think she's. I don't good. know, man. Chris, a two-drop 7K that can't be targeted by abilities that nets you a card every time you have an explosive turn. I mean, that is like, hey, all value town in Mono Wind in particular, but even some Wind X decks. Yeah, she's actually growing on me the more I see her. Um, I think she's better than pretty much everybody initially rated her. Um, again, you know, you've, you guys hit the nail on the head. She, she only cost you two, so her initial investment is very small. Um, and she's in a color where... And also, given where the game is right now, some of the best, most efficient cards are only going to cost you like one to two CP. So you can easily cast three cards and only spend like five CP. So you're already getting some of that back with her. Um, and I think she's really going to have a home. I think her biggest home is actually going to be in Wind Lightning. Um, I agree. Because you have the turns where you can do a thing, get Gromis, Gromis her into play. So that's already two cards right there. So... Um, and then, you know, Wind Lightning, you've also got some very efficient, cheap bodies. You know, you've got your Cactuars, your Sakuras, your Autos, your Glaucas. You know, you've already got cards, especially a card like Glauca, that's going to make your Lightning Forwards already cheaper. So, you know, you can set up these turns, finish it off with Ash. Oh, look at that. She's a 7K, and I'm going to go ahead and draw a card. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I was thinking I the same thing, like in, in Mono Wind, right? The easy play is, you know, drop a two-drop two back up. Pump out Vata, activate your backups, splash the backups down again for Ash, and oh, I'm going to end my turn and draw a card for my trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and I think know. it's good for Mono Win because Mono Win has a hard time drawing cards for the most part yeah. outside of Yuri. Yeah, or Mion. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, we're really, we're not going to sit here and talk all day about these. You've, you've added everything that, that I have to say here. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything bad about this card besides maybe the fact that you want your legends to be a little more oomphy, uh, this, unless you do something, or three somethings, including, you know, Ash being potentially one of those three somethings on a turn, you don't get really any board impact when this hits the board, and the game is very on-enterability heavy right now, um, and wanting some type of effect as soon as this gets off, so... I guess drawing the card is what you're going for there. If you wanted a little more oomph out of your win legend, I can hear you, but I don't think this is all that bad. I'm going to put it at a seven, Chris. Yeah, I'm going to give it a seven as well uh, with an asterisk because I think it only is going to get better as more people explore it. Kronos? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with both of you guys. I think seven is kind of where I'm sitting at too. I mean, there's nothing bad about this card, like you said, like no no bad piece of text on it. Yeah, and I mean, if like I said, if you were complaining as a win player that you wanted a legend with a little more oomph, I I understand, but I don't I don't agree that it's a bad card or anything. So, and the art's amazing. This is one a lot of people are talking about. So let's hit the Earth one. The two-drop Legend Kryl, uh, 5K power. Now, this one has a lot of text on it. When Kryl enters the field, choose one summon from either player's break zone. You can cast it as though you owned it this turn. If you cast it, remove that summon from the game after use instead of putting it in the break zone. The cool part about all the text is that I don't have to read it all again. At some point <laughs> later, you can pay one CP and dull Kryle to do that same effect again. Um, this one's getting a lot of love, a lot of ideas, a lot of craziness coming out of the woodwork with some of the things this can do, whether it's your own summons or specifically going after whatever summons your opponent has to be running. What do you think, Kronos? I'm gonna comment on the art first because I really don't like. This I art. hate oh, this Gerber art. Gerber baby cry. Oh, like, it's I, I think it was like, didn't they get the Dragon Shield people to draw this? I think is what I heard, As, or something like that. Was I that, is that wrong? I don't like it. It's I don't I don't like it at all. It's I, I terrifying. It. I hate it. Now the text of the card is extremely good though. Yeah. Um, and it, there's a lot of things you can do with this, and the fact that you're not even only limited to your own break zone. Now you can your opponent has to be careful about what's in their break zone as well. Yep. That's insane. Uh, the fact that she can do it again if you let her live is insane. She costs two CP. She's on curve, and she has a relevant job and a relevant category. Uh, so there's a lot of things going for this card. She's pretty nuts. Yeah. Not only is it the hey you could do it again, but she doesn't even sack herself for that effect, Chris. So right. you could do it again and again and again if your opponent's dumb enough to let this thing sit on the board long enough. Absolutely. I, I think this card is... I, I was very, very low on this card when I first saw it, when it was first revealed. Um, I think this card is absolutely nuts. Um, and take take your opponent's break zone out of the equation. Yeah. You're, I mean, because you still have to pay the color. You have to cast it like normal. A lot of decks... Your summon packages now, like summons are kind of at a you know at a premium. Like most decks are playing between like three to six summons. A card like Kryle allows you to not have to play three of one, three of another, and like two of another. Yeah, Kryle allows you to play like that one Diabolo. She allows you to play like two of something else. But also too, a lot of these new summons that are really good and that are coming out, they only cost like one or two CP. So being able to take these one or two CP summons that are really good and giving rebound to those yep. so I can cast it again, like that's pretty good. Um, it takes it now from, you know what? I'm not too sad that I mulliganed into a Diabolos and I'm going to be discarding it turn one yeah. now. I'm not all that sad anymore. It feels it feels okay. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. I, th I think this card does it in such a way that it's, it doesn't feel like... You don't have to load your deck up with summons. She just... Being able to get double duty out of these already good summons that you're probably playing, yeah. like that's good enough. That's good enough. And like Adam said, everything else about the card is relevant. Job, category, on curve. It's great. Except art. Art is not relevant. <laughs> I, I, like, I feel like they were going for, you know, like a whole Khaleesi-type look here and it, you know, with the dragon. What is and... the base? What is her face? I don't, I don't understand. Like, I, I it's don't like know. it's the Gerber baby. She's selling me baby food is what's happening. Oh. 
<laughs> uh, who went first? I went first last time. We'll throw it back to Chris first this time. Um, I'm, I would give this card a 10 because I think it's that good. Um, but I can't because the art is just an eyesore. <laughs> so I'm giving it a nine. Okay. And it's not because of the card. The card is a Thank 10. Thank God you said that because I was going to attack the shit out of you if you didn't take one away for the art in this no, case after giving am. the emperor one for the art. <laughs> yeah, the card's a 10. The art's a one. There, there's the math. Kronos? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with a nine too just because I'm kind of curious to see how much stuff people do with this card because there's the sky's the limit honestly with this card there's so many things you can do and then something in the chat that got brought up that's actually really interesting is uh it counts as being cast when she plays these summons so for the cards like ash too like she's yeah. basically using a card from her break zone as a cast yep. um which kind of counts for that so i'm gonna stick with a nine i think it has a pretty good potential to be a 10 though uh, I think it It'll can never get up. be a ten because of the art. I think it can get up there too. I'm actually gonna. I'm. I'm think I'm gonna back off of this one just a little bit compared to you, gents. I think I'm gonna give it an eight, uh, only for the fact that it is immediately very easily removable. It is extremely easy to respond to that enter trigger with most decks and pop it. And now essentially they've removed a summon from their break zone, cast it paid cost and actually paid two extra for a body that isn't still sitting on the field. So that five Diabolos just became seven. You have no board presence and that Diabolos is out of the game. So I think there is, since it's so weak and easily removed, there is an opportunity for very easy pops, not something like a Neo X death where you're like, shit, I need to have the answer now. You might, in all likelihood, have the answer in your hand in a great deal of meta decks to deal with something that's sitting there at 5k with no protection. So I'm going to put it in an 8 only for that fact that you could get punished on the turn you play it and essentially overpay for a summon you've now exiled. So it has a little downside for me, but fantastic card, fantastic card. Oh, my favorite... Yes. <laughs> Five drop lightning legend Gilgamesh, 9K power, lots of text here. Put Gilgamesh into the break zone. If you do, choose one forward, break it. That's an action ability, by the way. Uh, Dull, uh, Gilgamesh, search for one card named Enkidu, play it onto the field, Dull. Uh, for three lightning and two other, choose one damage for forward and break it. Going back to wind lightning... Uh, Chris, that you talked about earlier, which is a deck I've wanted to make work for like the last four opuses, and it just was never quite there. That deck got a lot of help in a number of different directions in this set. Now, how strong will it be? Remains to be seen. We're only a week into the meta. But Enki do to give you an idea of the, why that third text line is there, choose, you know, damage forward and break it. Enki do has the ability to damage the, the forwards on the opponent's side of the board. So... Bring out Enkidu, damage things with Enkidu's ability, crack them with Gilgamesh's third ability. Pretty expensive, probably not going to do it all that much, but that's why that third ability that kind of seems out of place, that's why it's there. Um, this is my favorite legend of the set, and that is not just coming from a I love mono lightning and you gentlemen know I have a deep love for mono lightning and particular lightning earth if I'm going to dual deck th or dual element things which means Regis. Ha! Can't wait. Uh, but this is my favorite uh, uh, legend in the entire set. We we have a, a shortage of big body forwards in Lightning, so I like seeing 9K printed. 
you're running Lulu, you've got a five drop 10K. And in a lot of cases, you, you're usually running three drop backup Lulu for that extra 1000. This ability, I love the first line of text having dashes. Uh, I'm gonna block and then break it and pop that forward, by the way, uh, without needing the damage qualifier that you need on dash. That's fantastic. The recursion that you can do with this card in a number of different decks to almost kind of, to your point earlier, Kronos, create that sticky. Uh, yeah, you have to pay for it each time in this particular case instead of getting it for free. But there are a myriad of ways in color and in dual colors to bring this guy back. It just becomes a bit of a nightmare to deal with. And anything that dulls and gets you a free character onto the board, whether it's the Wind Enki-Do in this set or the Earth Enki-Do in previous sets, that's good by there's just nothing bad with that card it's not even honestly i wouldn't have been disappointed probably if it had cost six because of the amount of text that's on it so seeing it at five just makes it even a little more value for me chris yeah i mean honestly i take the other two abilities off the card and i think the card is amazing on its own i agree um it presents a you know there's something we love to say on the rva returners podcast it, it inevitability is the word with this card um something's gonna die you're not gonna kill you're not killing gilgamesh i'm killing gilgamesh when i want to yeah um and also too you know oh, and by the, the way i'm gonna swing with a 10k body with yeah. lulu until i decide to <laughs> exactly and you know obviously there's those implications with regis right off the bat yeah break some break gilgamesh break something play regis get gilgamesh right back um uh, Enkidu actually happens to be a really good card uh, from this set. Yep. Uh, the fact that he does a 1k cleave when he enters and when he attacks every time is absolutely huge. Um, so, I mean, there's a good, you know, kind of backbone there to, you know, pingy wind lightning decks, which is kind of what those that deck has always done. Um, now it just has more tools to do that. But I, th I think this card is absolutely amazing. Um, again, the, the rest of the text, the card could be blank other than that first ability, because I think that we, we haven't had a forward at this point that just does that break himself break there, there's no no geometry no tricks break me break you we're done yeah the the closest like i had already mentioned to in my world of of lightning is dash but that requires the yep. the damage uh being at damage five to do so exactly uh chronos yeah, yeah you pretty much talked about everything i was gonna say i agree with chris 100 i think it, even if this card is just the first line of text it's already good so everything else is just kind of like icing on the cake yeah. at that point. It's a delayed yeah. Diabolos on a fucking body. I mean, yeah. it's, I'm going to break something. Oh, and by the way, yeah. it doesn't even have to be five or greater. I'm just going to break right. you. I'm just going to yeah, break you. Yeah, yep. and, and, and that's what's even more surprising, I think, Kronos, on that unconditional is being in Lightning, it doesn't even require it to be active, Yep. which I wouldn't have been surprised had that text been there, but it's not, and that is huge benefit uh i'm gonna give this one a nine for the same reasons that i probably gave the emperor lower than the card text actually deserves i'm probably gonna give gilgamesh one point higher than he actually deserves because he is so in element and in play style for me eight eight and a half is probably where i think the card is i'll put it at a nine to give it a little bit of personal value in my decks as well chronos I'm, I'm gonna give it a nine as well actually oh, all right um, my boy I, I just think the, i just think the effect on it's like five cp to kill anything is already value right like mm -hmm. think about that yeah like what like old, old opus one odin that costs seven i mean i had a burst on it but you know seven the fact that you like like chris said like i'm gonna decide what you you might think you're killing it but i'm deciding when this thing dies and you're gonna lose something for it 
pretty nuts. So I think it's a nine on its own. Chris? Uh, I actually give this card a 10. I don't think there's anything bad about it. Um, again, the other two abilities are just icing. The fact that it's it's going out on its own terms, and it's so easy to bring back right now. Like, it costs five, yeah. But again, Adam hit the nail on the head. Five to break something, whatever, is clean. And there's also some the implications with Neo X death and, like, uh, uh, Braska's final Aeon. Like, if they play that, either of those cards by themselves, I'm just going to play Gilgamesh, and we're just going to go back to neutral. Yeah, and if you're wondering why the Lightning fanboy didn't put it at a 10, it's because it's actually Lightning, and I have to respect the position Lightning (laughs) holds in the meta right now. Uh, So although I might love the actual card as far as its overall strength, um, it is going to be very specific. Uh, in in the decks that it's it's there for, so that's why I didn't bump it at a ten. If it had been maybe let's say wind, I I think it's no brainer ten for me. Uh, but in lightning, I, I got to take it for being in a a little bit of an off element in the current meta. That's all. Sure. Yunan, we can pick up the pace a little bit here, so we're not keeping everybody all day. We got a PS five unboxing to do after the stream today. <laughs> Hook that bad boy up and play some stuff. I got it behind me. Uh, so we've got Yuna on the table now. Three drop uh, water forward at 7K power. When Yuna enters the field, if a forward you control formed a party with Yuna this turn, draw two cards. Um, if it, I'm sorry. <laughs> I read that wrong. When Yuna enters the field, if a forward you controlled formed a party this turn, not with Yuna, just formed a party, draw two cards. When uniforms a party and attacks herself, choose one forward. It loses 4K power for each attacking forward. And for zero, this is an action ability, even that's why the cost is zero and signified there. So uh, name one element other than light or dark. Yuna becomes the named element until the end of turn. You can only use this ability once per turn. People were loving this one in sealed. Loving this one in sealed. Uh, A lot of draw value there. Not a favorite of mine. Chris, we'll throw it to you first for this one. Oh. This card's broken. This card is busted. This card is so busted. I, I, look at me. Look at me. This card is busted. Busted. Here's the thing. When this card was spoiled, I mean, we were we were all in the middle of depression, pandemic. We were like, okay, cool. She's relying on parties. Blah, blah, blah. Guess what? Opus Twelve is all about party attacks. Yeah. <laughs> she she fits right in with the element that already the, the element combination that already wants to party attack, and I'm talking about wind water, um, because of a, a Bart's that was printed in this set. She she's insane. This card is absolutely insane. She's going to draw you two. She's always going to draw you two. There's no way she, you're not getting that. And she has to die immediately. Yep. Or she can party with any number of things. And also, too, because of that backup chocobo that lets you... Like, her zero thing, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, because there's a backup chocobo that was printed that lets your forward yeah, the, party attack regardless of element. cleans up the elements element. for you. Yeah. yeah, you don't care about that, but she can use that in a pinch. If she does not die, you're drawing two cards and you're killing something every time she attacks. And then, in that deck, you're using cards like Boko, which are going to draw you a card when a party attack deals damage. You've got the uh, the water backup, the 2CP one. What's her name? Uh... Uh, Andoria. 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 She's drawing you a card. So you're just you're just gonna be strapped to the gills with cards in your hand. And Yuna is just an amazing piece of that puzzle. Card is busted. Yeah. Busted, busted. Kronos, busted. I'm glad that they put this in water because that color had a really hard time getting some card draw. 
<laughs> I mean, I it's been struggling a little bit with card draw. <laughs> no, this is probably my favorite card in the like my favorite legend in the set. Actually, I really like this. I, th- I, I agree, Chris. I think it's busted. I don't really need to say much more than Chris already said. Busted. I feel like everything else that he's like everything busted. he said. Is true. Yeah, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm not even joking. It was my son got this in uh, the pre-release where we actually played. There was like eight of us there, a little small. Uh, we we had masks. We did everything we're supposed to do. Um, yeah, so we we played. He put this out turn two, and I was like, if I don't kill that now, I'm done. I I'm just I'm literally done. Uh, and I went all in and I with my one CP Cactuar, and he flipped over the top card of his deck, and it was Remora, and I was like, oh, thank God, thank God that Yuna's <laughs> gone, and that was the game right there. If, if he uh, I ended up winning, but if he gets that to start going, I, you know, I'm just done. Uh, this one's this one for me, even though I'm not a huge water player, uh, this one is a 10. I just for me, I just think it is warping in some of the stuff that it does, even if it's not one of yes. my personal yes. favorites. Uh, it's not really a card I'd probably play all that much. I can't even take points away from this one like I did the Emperor because of that. Because to me, this is this is wa- this is warping on water's behalf, and water already mixes well with most of the other elements so it's not that hard to see this in decks that you really wouldn't have expected to see this and be worried about it when it hits the board i gotta give it a 10 chris oh definitely if i could give it higher than a 10 i would but it is, it is an easy 10 um and it's one of those cards that if you don't think it's a 10 either sit across the table from it or play it yourself and you'll you'll realize immediately that the card is a 10 I assume you're right up there too, uh, Cronus. Yeah, you're not going to get a disagreement for Yeah, I kind of figured. All right, we'll move on. <laughs> Three drop Lena, who I used Lena and Ferris in a pretty not great uh, pre release pool, but I did get Lena and Ferris, so that was nice. okay. Uh, to my uh, p- boost myself to three and one with a janky ass sealed Warrior of Light deck. Barts and, and uh, well done. Boko and everything. You know, they weren't great pools, but I was like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, Lena here, definitely some value uh, out of this one when I was doing the sealed event. Three drop 8K, which is already above curve. I mean, if we stopped right there, that's already slightly above uh, what one would consider a typical power curve. When Lena enters the field, place one arise counter on Lena for each backup you control. When a backup enters your field, place one Arise counter on Lena. Dull and remove X Arise counters from Lena. Choose a forward in your break zone. If its cost is X, play it onto the field. Uh, I assume, uh, Kronos, that in this conversation, we will be talking a little bit about, hey, remember how we mentioned you can cheat these uh, multi-element bodies onto the field. If you're Even if you're running a mono deck, here's a perfect example of the type of card we're talking about. Using this in, say, a mono wind deck to cheat Earth Wind, uh, Yishtola onto the board as an example, just to keep on what we've built on at the beginning of the show. This paid off in spades for me, having Ferris on the board, Lena, uh, who is also a Warrior of Light, on the board, and then cheating other Warriors of Light from my break zone uh, back to my back uh, back to the field, and then popping on Ferris's ability to start crushing forwards on the other side. This one. Again, not a deck I'm going to play. I know another player who's going to love this. He ran a Warrior of Light deck at the Reunion and topped uh, top 16 at that last year and took home his Beatrix mat. This is definitely going to go in his deck. 
for how it did in sealed for me, I'm going to give it uh, a nine. But in all honesty, I think it's probably about an eight. Uh, so Kronos, we'll go to you and your thoughts and your score first. Yeah, I think I think she's just good. I don't again. I don't think there's anything on this card that is bad at all. Um, no, I mean I it think... even gives you credit for backups you've already played, which is right. which is something we don't really see with the counter mechanic. Yeah, I think that the more I've thought about this card, I actually think it's better for her to like revive things that are like lower cost, and yep. then she she kind of remains to be a threat instead of like kind of blowing her load all at once. Um, so I think she's good in that regard. She has light, so you're kind of dedicated to that, and you're 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 committing to the the light card, and you're not going to play any dark cards at that point for the most part. Um, I, I'm going to probably stick with just like a seven. I think she's strong, but I don't I don't think she's like overly broken or anything. I think she's like just something you can put in a lot of decks and and revive. So I think it's sealed. She's nuts though. Yeah. The fact that you got like it's sealed like my break zone, I can like bring something back. But I do think when you dull your forward to an ability, it has to be a big deal, and this is a big deal. Like it is doing something very strong. Um, but it's not really something I don't think you're gonna see a ton. But I do I do think the decks she's gonna be best in are lower curved forward decks. I would agree there. And I also think uh an important note there might be decks that like to break their own backups too. Mm-hmm. Uh because then she's constantly being fed with arise counters while you can keep her on the board. Uh otherwise the the card really has no late game value besides cheating one big person or two small persons onto the board once you're already at four or five backups. Chris, are you along the same lines? I give it an eight. I pumped it um, to a nine just for some pre-release love, but overall really an eight for me. Sure. Um, I'm actually a little bit lower on this card than you guys are. I think she's fighting in a crowded space, uh, especially in Warrior of Light decks. Uh, the, that archetype... Hell, even just against Citra is a tough battle. Yeah. Well, I mean, that archetype has so many great light cards already. You have the light 4CP Wool. You have the light Refia. I think if you're and just sticking to the Warrior of Light theme here, um, I'll talk about her a little bit here in a second. I think she's probably the third best light card to play in those decks. Um, so I don't think she really has a home there. Um, I'm giving her a six because I think you're really only going to use her ability once. You're really only going to get it off once. And she's not going to stick around beyond that. Um, now, I agree with what Adam said. Getting back a low-cost body or her in conjunction with an amazing card like the new Sid Previa in this set. Because um, she is a slow card. Again, she has to be she has to be alive to actually dull, which is where a card like Sid Previa comes into play. Um, so you could, ha- you could set up this amazing turn. You could have four backups, have a target, and then they're just like, oh, she's there. Oh, we'll just miss Dragon your break zone. And then you're just... Yeah. Or you just kill her. Yep. You know? Um, so I, I think she has a lot of upside, but I just I don't think she's a card that's gonna see play in Warrior of Light decks over Refia or Wool. I don't even want to turn this card over. I, I don't want to take <laughs> Lena off the top of this pile because gentlemen, you you all know what's next here. <laughs> Why don't we we're gonna skip for ahead here. We'll come back to we'll come back to the Dark Legend, but in the interest of time. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six dual-colored elemental legends. Um, I think there's, while all all six of them are very, very good, um, I think let's talk about two, if you don't mind, and, and we'll skip the rest. Since we've talked about Ferris, we've talked about Thancred, uh, Locke definitely has a ton of value, but is kind of a niche thing that you're going to want to try and cheat him out and flicker him a bunch of times. It's pretty a pretty specific deck. I think Locke might actually be the best legend in the set. I agree. Um, 
I think the two that everybody has mentioned before that maybe we should at least talk a little bit about there, Regis and Yishtola. Sure. I'll talk Regis all day long. Go for it. Go for it. Well, I mean, like Adam said kind of at the top of this program that he just creates some really unique turns and gives your cards just recurring value. We talked about him with Gilgamesh. That's just like a, just a nice little baby recursion engine there. Um, I think one of the old cards that really sees a big boost from this guy is the old four CP, uh, the eight CP legend Kefka from Opus four, mm-hmm. like come in, break three things, play Regis, get two of those things back, get their crazy ETBs. Yep. Um, I think he really sings in a rampair list. Um, Cause I, if you watch some of the camera games we played, I had a turn where I had Gilgamesh on board. I did Libertus Knicks things, broke the Knicks, broke the Gilgamesh, played Regis, got them both back, did the Knicks, broke the back up, and I ended up wiping their board and had four forwards four on the forwards. board. So it's just like, go. You know, like, hey, like, who knew Lightning Earth was pretty fast? Yeah. I mean, that was pretty quick. <laughs> And he's got an amazing, you know, protection. So he, the card can be very offensive. You can even, even if this isn't the best way to play him, but you can do these crazy like YOLO attacks where you've got maybe even attackers, uh, you know, against their defenders. And then you just play Regis main two and bring all your guys back, you know. Yeah. Um, or, you know, you just play him defensively and you just royal sigil and now none of your stuff is dying or you just do it in response to a summon or, you know, maybe you do it in response to some beginning of some crazy board wipe and you're just like nope here we go um card's really good card is yeah this very, is my second good. favorite legend behind gilgamesh in the entire set yeah. um gilgamesh only my- edging it out for being mono lightning uh there. regis if there were any other colors on regis i would have cried i would have yeah. cried because this absolutely fits my earth lightning five drop backup lulu deck to a t and what it wants to do and i can't wait to mess around with that some uh, so so happy. The specials even, you know, you're not going to use it all the time, but it is one that you you will pop off occasionally. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's it's even worth considering running one of the previous Regis just to give you the a little bit of that that special flavor to be able to use that special. Just a tremendous tremendous card. Uh, again, another one that if I would have seen six on it instead of five, I still would have thought it was good. I yep. think you would have had to get to like seven before I'm like. Uh, that that doesn't feel so good, but five it feels just like a bargain all the way around, Kronos. Four if you're playing Glauca. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 No. He he's pretty nutty. I I think uh, you have to really think twice about what you're doing when you know this. Like when you even have like an inkling that this card's in the other deck. Like Chris is saying, you can just threaten attacks. And now you're just like, well, now do I even block? Because I don't want to give you that guy back. Yeah, now it's not like, I wonder if he has a Cyclops. Now it's like, shit, does he have a Regis? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you might even just swing with a lower guy, like a Libertus, right? Yeah. And even if they have an bluff AK, it. you're just like, <laughs> just whatever. Bluff and, it, and too. If, and if they block and you kill it, you get that. You, you get the Libertus, you play, you get a Nyx back, you play another Nyx, you kill something. He works really well with things that kill themselves, like Nyx, like, um, like the Gilgamesh that we just talked about. He's pretty insane, I think. And he does a lot of fun things, and he, and he opens up a lot of options. Yishtola uh, giving Wind Earth some haste uh, is good by itself. Three drop 9K, okay, yeah. If I said <laughs> you know, three drop 8K was above curve, then a three drop 9K is certainly going to be above curve as well. If Yishtola's dealt damage less than her power, the damage becomes zero instead. Yishtola cannot be blocked by a forward of cost four or more. Are you kidding me, Wind Earth? Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? This is a very, very good multi-element. And again, 
the the right combinations. Now, remember, while they didn't have to pick about uh, or think about what er, uh, elemental combinations they were going to make, they did have to think about what cards they were going to put in there, right? So they had to decide Yishtola belonged here, and it makes sense. But the, the they just cycle through the elements, so like fire and ice, and then ice and wind, and then wind and earth, and then earth and lightning, lightning and water, uh, and then water and fire all the way around. So uh, it, it just this fits thematically for me, giving wind a, another option with haste. You know, a lot of people have been using onion knight in that spot, the the white onion knight that uh, has haste and things like that, and then the protection to just swing underboard. I mean, this is just a tremendous tremendous card for this this element combination, Chronos. Yeah, I think uh, you really have to be careful about the fact that like you can't like four or more can't block her because I think a lot of things that I've been seeing at least in previous metas were going to like you know four or five drops. Those were like your big heavy hitters, right? Yep. And then sometimes you play those big seven drops and stuff to finish people off. And and I do think <laughs> and you gentlemen of... remember the days where you're like, oh shit, that spoiled forwards cost five. Mm, Diabolos is a thing. <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna be running that. Yep. I don't know if I'm gonna be running that now. Everything's five six. Yeah, so she has a nice sweet spot, and she has haste, so she's doing something immediately, and she's pretty hard to deal with. Uh, I just think she's an over. I don't think, like, like if we were rating it number wise, I'm not. I don't think she's a ten. I think she's a very good card, like extremely good. But she's not doing anything crazy broken to me. She she's just good. She's just there, and you're just Agreed. like deal with it. Agreed. Yeah, that's that's one hundred percent where I'm at with the card. Um, I, I, you're seeing decks that aren't even playing a full playset of this card because one or two is enough yep um she has a bit of evasiveness to her but unfortunately straight break effects are kind of king right now and she can still get molly whopped with by the best of them with just straight break effects um she's fast she's going to present some really early pressure and i'll tell you what though in, in limited you put a saddle on her and ride her to victory yep. <laughs> because she's going to do it in so, sealed i'm gonna yeah, play seymour and make you pay all right that's fine <laughs> Talk about this monstrosity real quick, and then we'll finish up with some 14 news. Uh, six drop, Dark Element, Legend, 10K Power, Neo Exdeath. Neo Exdeath is also card name Exdeath in all situations. At the end of each of your opponent's turns, your opponent selects one character they control, put it into the break zone. When Neo Exdeath is chosen by your opponent's mm -hmm. summons or abilities, your opponent selects one character they control, put it into the break zone. And again, in the interest of time, let's kind of avoid the discussion of the best time to play Neo Exdeath and debating the merits of a turn one or a turn two versus a turn five, you know, mid-game type play. We, we can skip that. Let's just kind of stick to the card. And I do think maybe it warrants talking a little bit about do you feel this is as meta-changing or defining as some people uh, would like to believe on uh, forum posts, Reddit posts, things like that? So Chris already shaking his head, no. I tend to not think it is. I, I said, uh, I'll go first then, since I posed the question. Uh, and I've said this when we were doing a pre-release stream. Uh, Mr. Lockwood uh, it would talk, it was, and I were talking about it on that stream. Um, I think it will be meta-defining for the first four to five weeks of Opus 12. After that, I think we'll see exactly what we kind of saw with Veritas uh, of the Dark, where everybody bitched and this was a card that was going to break the game and if they keep going in this direction, this is going to be awful and it's not going to be a game I want to play anymore. 
four weeks, five weeks into the meta, everybody's deck had a counter for Veritas, so Veritas no longer had the value to run that Veritas once had in the first five weeks in the meta. Does that deny that Neo Exodus is a strong card? Absolutely not. Do I think it's going to be meta warping? Very short term? Sure, I'll give you that. Just like Veritas is, while everybody figures out how can I mold my deck to fight against that card without having to break my deck to make it fight against that card, give that about a month and a half. I think we'll be in the same Veritas bucket. Definitely a strong card. Definitely has a spot in some of the decks I run. Not all of them. Uh, I don't think anybody should be shoehorning this in every deck they have uh, just because. But uh, I can't deny its strength. But no, I don't think it's going to be meta warping in the way people are worried about it. Maybe short term in your locals. Give it five or six weeks. Check out FF decks. Look at some lists. Most of them will have a organic counter to it in the decks themselves, I think. Uh, Kronos, I saw a lot of nodding, so I can't be that far off base with you. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't. I, I actually don't even know if it is meta defining that long, to be honest, based on what I saw last night. Uh, like, I saw a lot of decks last night that I don't even know if they played X-Death would have mattered much. I, I'm not saying the card's bad. I, I do agree with you. I think just reading it, and it, it can win you some games if you play it immediately and your opponent doesn't have an answer, but I think there's a good amount of cards that can do that already. There's a lot of cards that are just answer this or die. I mean, that, that already existed. Granted, like, he yep. definitely puts you on a bit, like, puts you in a bit of an awkward situation. You're on, you're on a timer like, if you don't have the answer in your hand right now. You're on a timer to try and draw it. It also goes the opposite way, where if I have the answer and you play that bad boy turn one, you're, you just concede to me now. Yeah, depending yeah. on what the answer was, you might even have paid uh, less to do it. You know, you four-drop yeah. Alexander into me, and shit, you got two more CP uh, off of that turn one fiasco than I do. Yeah, no, I'm saying all this, but I don't. I don't think it's a bad card. But I, I think you should be more worried about cards like Bart's, <laughs> X, Y, Z, the X Y Z boys, yeah, and those yeah. are the cards you need to be worried yeah. about. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm not saying like alternate sure damage conditions worry me. They really <laughs> <Yeah>. do, <laughs> particularly so, when they say, "Hey, put three on them." <laughs> yeah, but I, I agree with like everything you said. I think you said it about as like I think it will probably shape some meadows, and especially in locals, people are going to get upset at this card. But uh, I don't expect it to last long, if, if long at all. Here, here's what I think. Um, you're going to have people that are going to try it. There's People yep. are going to try to have like this crazy, it's all about Neo X death. And, and in some decks, it will be getting... punishing. There is no doubt. Sure. But I think the majority of what you're, where you're going to see this card is deep in the scatacombs of the tournament field, back in Randyland with <laughs> all the randos. So... <laughs> And the reason that's important is that makes round one in a tournament that much more critical. Because if you lose round one, you're going to the you're going to Randy Land. You're going to you're going to the jank jungle, boys. <laughs> the jank jungle in Randy Land, and you could have to play against that a lot. And but to answer the the, the organic answer question, most decks do um, just innately, and they're they're not sacrificing um, cards in their deck. However. However, comma, the fear is still very, very real. You've got people just, like, you've got some decks that um, they're pulling cards out of, like, I mean, they're going to the binders, they're going to the bulk piles, like Backup Cloud, the Opus 10 Backup Cloud is seeing play in fire lists because fire might have the worst answers to it. Um, fire has that, or they have Bad Hobbit, the Opus 6 for <laughs> four cost yeah. one the one that kill the one that damages you so 
not every element has answers. Like ice, forget about it. Like you don't really have an answer. You just have ice has to outvalue it. Um, and I think honestly, a card like Emperor helps against Neo X Death because you're, I'm just going to play Emperor, um, and then I'll just kind of build behind that and just keep sacking Emperor yeah, to block, the end. And, block, and, then, block. and, and what, what's also going to happen too? You're going to I'm going to put four forwards on the board. You're going to are you going to swing with that guy? Okay, go ahead, and you're going to take four on the crack back. You're going to sit back and block. Okay, I'll just party into him. Yeah. So like, a lot of decks that don't have organic answers will get to the point where they just outvalue the card. Um, but the reality is that the card is good, and the card is a, it's a real threat. You can't ignore it. it <laughs> yeah, and I do think a part of the res- the gut response on this one, though, guys, is that, um, how should I say this? Like Veritas got you the effect right away, at least half of it, right? On you got the entry effect. Uh, this one, you. There's a period where you can get just straight up punished for playing it and not even have gotten that one. Yeah. Like, like you turn one this, it doesn't even, like, it doesn't feel great, but it doesn't even feel absolutely terrible for me to turn two Shantoto the board. And yeah, yeah I paid a little bit more, but I still escape with a backup on, on the board, uh, a color fixed well, backup. Uh, it doesn't, well, doesn't feel that's great. The only thing on the board, well, yeah, you're right. You're absolutely because right. Because it yeah, doesn't Shantoto's choose. Name. Yeah, it doesn't yep. choose. You know, he just he just leaves. He he just exits. Uh, doesn't feel great, but I'm not all that upset about it because he, great. Uh-huh. You got two cards and no backups. I've got you know whatever. Um, and you're probably playing all Theo, which you'll drop soon, and yep. re- put the Santoto back into your hand anyway. Yeah. So. so yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel great. There is where where Veritas had that. At least I got that one out on the way in. If for some reason I don't get the one on the way out. This one, you can get really punished for playing this at the wrong time into the wrong hand that, that somebody just happened to draw. Adam, you, yeah, you're it, nodding again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think the thing about Veritas was is uh, Veritas kind of slowed the game down. It made people play a different way. Yeah. Whereas like this, it's like... And, and even if you answered Veritas, like he was going to probably kill something else, right? Yep, in most cases, um, yeah. Th- this guy like might not even kill one thing. Really, I mean, yep. I mean, technically, there's a, there's a good chance. And then, what if like there's another situation we haven't really touched on? What if like he swings and hits a burst and dies? Hey. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that that's a thing that could happen. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, if Bar- the Baritas hit a burst, you were still killing something else. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I I don't I don't think he's quite Veritas, but I could be wrong, and I do, I do think he is strong. Like, I want to keep reiterating yeah. that I don't think he's a bad card. Yep. I just think that people are kind of. Overreacting. He's that said, that said, in Chris, in in sealed, mm-hmm. it's over. I mean, in in oh, a sealed yeah. environment, it's just fucking. Oh, it's over. a great sealed card. Yeah, um, absolutely. There, there, there's there's good removal for it, but I mean, you're you you get a neo x death, and if you're drafting, I mean, it's a pack one pick one by a mile. Um, the only time I might not pick it, I might have to really think about it if I see a Gipple in that pack because that Gipple's not coming back around to you. But yeah, I mean, the card's a pack one, pick one. It's a great limited bomb to get. It's a good card. Really, I think its biggest impact, it's going to be a kitchen table killer. That That's really yeah. it. Like, it's going to it's gonna make casual, like, casual players, people. It's not a very inviting card. So I, it's, it's, I don't see a lot of maybe casual players joining the game when they see that thing. But, you know. That's about it. So I guess we'll sum up here. We'll leave it at the end here. Now we've seen 
Opus 4, we had Monsters. Opus 11, we have Counters. Opus 12, we now have Multiple Element Cards. All of these are things that we've seen in other TCGs kind of molded into the fray. What do you guys want to see come next? And in light of the Neo Eggs Death argument, should our ban list be updated? There's already people calling for Neo Eggs Death to be banned. Uh, Go ahead. We'll go with you, Chris, since I took first last time. Go ahead, sir. As far as, I guess, the twofold question, uh, the thing I would like to see next, um, I want to see dual character cards because they have those in chapters like Steiner Beatrix. Like they were on like a like Snow Sarah. Like I want to see those eventually in the game. I think that'd be really cool. Oh, Tida, Tida and Eunice. I want to see those. <laughs> Special ability laugh. Um, exactly. But as far as band, I can't think of anything right now. Um, Althea might be close, but I don't know. There's, I, I think, I think there just needs to be some more, like some more, like heavy data and heavy tests. It's tough right now with no events. It's really hard to say anything should be banned right now. So I'm going to say nothing. But I think there are some cards that should be watched. But nothing, nothing's really like sticking out. Like, oh shit, this is busted. Other than all, I, I think Althea is like the closest one right now. Mr. Lane. Yeah, as far as ban, I'll start there first. I don't really want to. I don't really want to say something should be banned because I'm I'm too far removed, honestly. From that's fair. That's fair. Uh, that I I don't even feel like I'd be in a position to really buy for anything to be banned. I was definitely like on the Riku bandwagon though, oh, and yeah. that was when that was a thing. Um, as far as like what I'd like to see next, I think dual characters and items are probably something you will see at some point. I don't know when they're coming, but something that I'd like to see that I probably won't get that I think would be cool is like some kind of location type card. Where we actually get to see like things that aren't in the game right now, like you know, like places in games that like matter, you know, like maybe you have a like a like a field type of effect or something. I think like Mysidia cool. does something, makes all your summons cost one less or something stupid like that. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, so like auras or enchantments. Uh, yeah, almost like an of, enchantment. Yeah. Yeah. Or an artifact type deal, uh, except you know this would be like or or maybe you know, like it affects both sides of the field or something. Yeah, Yeah, I think if you do it that way, it has to, right? If you like, if you're going to change the environment of the board, then that has to impact both players, Mm -hmm. not just one. I think that could be interesting. I I do agree with you, and this is the one I want, and I think at some point we'll get it. I hope it is not introduced the way it was in chapters because there's a huge element of chapters got very broken very quickly because of these, uh, but that would be items or equipment. Uh, that can be attached to uh, different characters and things. I think we'll get it at some point. I just hope it's implemented in a more intelligent way or, or more future-proofed way, let's say. Not to say it wasn't intelligently implemented, but it wasn't future-proofed very well. Uh, yeah, they got to be careful because like, there's some there's some cards that already exist now, and if you could Voltron yep. them up, yep. oh, dude. Yeah. you have to be really careful about that. Uh, ban list. I, you you kind of jumped on on my my uh, my thunder there with Althea. I think that's one that's going to be looked at real closely. There are some degenerate things you can do with Althea. Put her in wind ice. <gasps> I mean, you could you either here you put down your uh, <laughs> your two drop um, shit uh, Edward's price decreaser. Um, oh uh, crap! What is what is their name? Harley. Harley, Harley. Thank you. Harley. Yeah. Harley. You throw your Harley. You throw your Harley out. You, you throw your uh, uh, Althea out. You, you bring Harley up. You play your Edward for one. 
Next turn, you take your Edward and Althea back to hand. <laughs> do it again. I, just I, for God's sakes, it could get disgusting with Althea. I do think that's one that has to be watched. I am not on the band Neo Egg's Death uh, wagon at all. And Good. the crazy thing about Althea, it's not what 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 the, the what makes her bad or makes her really really powerful. She's a Crystal Chronicles backup. Yeah. That's. They need to stop yeah. printing those, please, for the love yeah, of God. Yeah, I think I'm just going to get a Norstalen tattoo at this point. <laughs> I just oh, get... Right on my ass, right, <laughs> right on the cheek. <laughs> All oh, right, yeah. well, we hope you enjoyed this, what was going to be about a 20 to a 30-minute foray into FFTCG, <laughs> and instead we went for an hour and 10 minutes. Um, it's always a pleasure. See, I, I lose track when I talk to these gentlemen. They're just, they're just awesome people. All the RVA returners are, uh, but these two... Uh, very awesome. So on the Final Fantasy XIV side of things, not a whole lot of news this week. We did have the uh, update that the tombstones are going to be changing. So you might want to you know, go through your bags now because Goatian is going to need to be exchanged for Phantasmagoria. You're going to have to do that prior to the patch. None of this is new for, for any fi long-term Final Fantasy XIV players. This is the typical cycle. But Get on that now. 5.4 still scheduled for early December. Phantasmagoria at that point will no longer be available. Yes, Phantasmagoria, buy it all. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> uh, but it can still be exchanged for Allegory. That you'll be able to do after the patch. But Goetia into Phantasmagoria, you need to do now. Uh, Tombstone Revelation, they're going to be the new ones. Capped at 450 a week. Allegory moves to 2000. You know, I'm not... I'm not telling anybody that doesn't play Final Fantasy XIV anything new. I'm just giving you the dates. And so that kind of the only real question I had with this kind of uh, update here, Kronos, is are you still happy with this kind of cycle, uh, this gear cycle where the gear goes here, the tombstones go here? Okay, the 24 man comes in and they come in at the five levels and they do this. And then we go to this. Like it, or, or are you bored with that and you'd like to see something new or just some, some type of change to the gear progression in this game under that whole, hey, when you do things enough times in an MMO, you don't really feel like doing them anymore. And this has been the way of the wild since A Realm Reborn launched. Yeah, I, th I think that's a fair point. Uh, pretty sure this sounds like rocket science to Chris, honestly. <laughs> He's hearing all these terms. <laughs> Oh, look, I'm, just, I'm just trying. I'm, I'm right now. I'm, I'm setting myself for Phantasmagoria futures. I'm uh, getting Gordon Gecko on the line here. Uh, I'm, I'm actually. I, I don't mind it because every time this stuff comes along, that just means I get to do a new raid. So I kind of just ignore like this. So this doesn't get boring to me because I already know what I have to do to get prepared for a raid. Um, but maybe like I'd like to see some kind of change to maybe like crafting gear or something to make build a little bit more fun to like build into as opposed to just like, okay, what pieces here is this? Okay, there we go. I have that. That, that is kind of boring. Um, well, but there's a reason but, for that in what we're yeah. going to talk about next too. And that's WCCF tech did an interview with Yoshi P where they talked about markets and economies and setting up, you know, market boards and things like that. And in that interview, he did specifically talk about the role of crafting gear being purposely that little placeholder right in between uh certain things so even that it's like i i would like to see them do something with crafting and well the answer is we can't because that's already serving a very particular function in the uh gear scores that we put it in there so i i well, don't know 
Well, why not make it so like what what more what I'm saying is I'm not saying take crafting gear out of the equation. I think it serves a fine purpose. Although making crafting easy kind of makes the market board value sink, but that's yeah. that's another story. I, I'd like to see maybe like I know like later on you're able to upgrade your crafted gear to like help people catch up and stuff. But like what if your crafted gear could upgrade in a way that now you're thinking about these different this, these different vested slots could be cool. Yeah. Um but you got to be careful about that too, because then, like, what if they could just upgrade straight, go to five hundred? Then you're just gonna have people like hammering down raids. You don't want to make them too strong. It's it's a fine line. Chris, you look like you absolutely agree. You are just. <laughs> uh, I, I am on the money. I'm, I'm still I'm still I'm still caught up on this phantasmagoria. So. <laughs> I am. I'm, uh, last two things here. Com, I don't see it about five point four. Uh, this whole. Tombstone change usually takes place about a month before we get the patch. So if we know early December, and this usually takes place about a month before that, that looks like it's December 8th if we stick with Tuesdays, which I, I really don't think we have a reason not to stick with Tuesdays. I think that sounds like the right date, Kronos. Uh, maybe a week later, but I think we're, if I had to guess right now, we're probably looking at December 8th for 5.4. Yeah, I think that's a good bet. It's one of those two days. Like, it, there's no way it's anything but those. It's either 8th or 15th. But the 15th, I don't think you describe as early December. So we'll go right, with the exactly. 8th. And I think the 1st is too early. So, yeah. uh, By the way, your housing demolition notices, those will be turned back on at 5.4 as well. So if you're not a visitor of your house very often, prepare to get those emails. Uh, last up before we go to love it or leave it for the day, uh, Chris, did you play Avengers? Like, are you a comic book guy? Like, was this oh, a big I'm, one for I'm you? I'm a huge comic book guy. That's actually uh, something comic book related. Is how Adam and I became friends. We played the old versus T uh, versus system TCG, which was Marvel and DC comic book based. So, oh yeah, I'm a comic guy, but I did not give a damn about this game at all. <laughs> at all. At all. Well, I didn't like uh -huh. the the stunt double looking like the the aesthetics. I I was lost the minute I saw the space ball stunt double Avengers that they use for this game. Well, it's interesting because uh, the April suit through September Square Enix financials were released, and uh, they suffered about a forty-eight million dollar USD quarterly loss. You'll see some estimates hit as high as sixty-five, referring to the time period because it is a half-year report. So it depends on what time period you're looking at there. Should have invested in Phantasmagoria. Traded those up. Uh, and gee, if you had to imagine why they might have suffered such a loss, I mean, I don't understand. Final Fantasy XIV is doing pretty good, Kronos. It's, it's doing good. Uh, yeah, it was Marvel Avengers uh, sucking them dry a little bit. We actually got some insight into it because Square Enix would not give sales numbers for it. Remember back at the beginning, they were like, yeah, it's the second highest uh, superhero selling digital game behind Spider-Man, which sounds good until you think about, wait a minute, Spider-Man was only on the PS4. Right. This was on all platforms. So wait, maybe that isn't as good as, as it, that, that should be. Well, we did get some more insight from uh, David Gibson, someone who does this type of gamer market analyst uh, work in Japan. Uh, who tweeted out that Square Enix reported yen 6.5 billion loss for HD games driven by Marvel Avengers would not say how much sold, but that volumes were 60% of plan. Implies cost of over 100 million to make, but only sold 3 million or so. Ouch. Then updates later saying Marvel Avengers, it looks like the total cost of the game is closer to 170 to 190 million. 
given they only expend 70% of cost in the quarter plus marketing costs. Why someone didn't say stop post the multiplayer beta will remain a mystery. Square are adamant they can make a recovery. Uh, yeah, that's approaching Star Wars The Old Republic development costs. You know, that two million, 200 million mark there. And Kronos, you and I have already said it might be too little too late for this one. And it hasn't gotten better since we've said that on this show, by the way. We still don't have Kate Bishop. We still don't have Hawkeye. We still don't have dates on when that stuff is coming. Um, and the player base just continues to hemorrhage, continues to hemorrhage. As of this exact moment, I want you both to take a guess how many people are playing on Steam as of the last, you know, like the last 30 minutes. Take a guess. Uh, 300. 50. 487. There are yeah, 487 I mean, I, I, I playing an insanely matchmaking important game that, by the yep. way, will only matchmake you if we don't pick the same hero, Kronos. We can't both be Hulk in our team either. That oh, isn't cross-platform. That just seems really bad. You know, so if you're on PC, you get matched with PC. You can't cross-play. And, by the way, if I want to be the Hulk, I can't get paired up with anybody else that also wants to be the Hulk. So... 485 players on Steam as of 35 minutes ago. It's all but over for this one, isn't it, Kronos? They just need to cut the cord, I think. <laughs> like it's they're just going to keep hemorrhaging money by trying to fix it. I, yeah, I, it's going to it's going to do the anthem, right? You just keep throwing bad money after bad yeah. money at that point. <laughs> it, it just sucks. Like none it of it's like, good money at that point. Yeah, it was such a softball. Like you're you're sitting here on two people on this cast right now that are really big comic book fans. I mean, we've seen some bad movies. Like Chris can probably vouch. Yeah, and they missed uh -huh. both of you. One of you and didn't even bother buying it. That's a, well, I, I returned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of us returned it, and one of us didn't even like it. Wasn't even on the radar. Like it, it, you, you announced an Avengers. One game, of us didn't buy it, and one of us was so disgusted we asked for the money back. <laughs> like. It was a, it was a like, a softball. It was it was a just a underhand. Here you go. <laughs> like I I watched let me I watched Dark Phoenix the other day for some godforsaken reason, and I had more enjoyment watching that movie than any amount of time I spent playing this game. It, what, what I only played the beta, but still like it, it's bad. I watched somebody play the beta, and I said, "This is enough. This is enough for me. I, I I have zero interest in what 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 snake oil they're selling. I have I don't want it. I like, like looter shooters, although yeah. I've been disappointed by looter shooters lately uh, for the last five years or so. I got Godfall behind me. That's what one of the things we're going to be playing tonight on the PS5. The reviews are coming in mixed for that, but a lot of it seems to be based on if you don't like a looter shooter, you're not going to like this. That's yeah. fine. I you know whatever. We'll see. I'm crossed fingers crossed because it's not microtransactions and you know cash shoppy it's just here here's the game and by the way we'll have an expansion later and you can buy that um so we'll see uh stay tuned after the show anyway uh so even though i'm not a huge comic book guy like you two are i was like yeah i like looter shooters fine let's go play you know a puncher grabber or whatever we want to call it with marvel's avengers because it's a looter shooter with a marvel skin I got through the main story, and even that started to be a slog at, 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 towards the end of it, where I was like, I just don't care about Kamala Khan anymore. I, I just 
you just don't fucking care. Actually, I don't care about any of you bastards. <laughs> I don't I don't like any of you. You don't have any redeeming qualities. This story is not good, but I feel invested enough to finish it. And then it was like, oh, this is Endgame. No, no, Endgame's more punching the same rope. No, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. And I unfortunately could not get a refund. So I'm the only one on the panel, not a comic book guy, and I'm the only one asked out of cash yeah, over it. Marvel's <laughs> Avengers. Man, you got got. I did got, get got. got. All right, let's slide over and do Love It or Leave It, and we'll call it a day on the Relic Grind. Gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure doing this. Love It or Leave It, for those of you that don't know, is our segment where we pick one thing every week in the world of Square Enix. Could be anything could be a feature in a game could be a game could be a decision they made a press release whatever and we simply ask you do you love it or is it time to leave it maybe throw it away and in honor of having opus 12 come out and the these two gentlemen fine fine gentlemen the world has never seen finer joining me to talk about it uh, i think it would only be appropriate if we said uh, what do you think about the multi-element cards now that we've got them in the game we'll start with you chronos Oh, yeah. I mean, I have to go with Love It. I think this was just an obvious step for them to make. Um, and I, I think as long as they continue to do it the right way and they push these archetypes in a way that's not crazy broken, uh, I think these are going to continue to be amazing pieces and uh, just new ways to think about making decks because now you have different ways to color fix and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in the, uh, the Love It side. Chris? Uh, I love it. I believe they're worth their weight in Phantasmagoria. So, uh, <laughs> no, they are. They are excellent. And again, like Adam said, they're they're just the next evolution of the card game. Um, there, there's nothing bad about them at all. Like again, again, anytime you introduce a new mechanic, you have to keep an eye on it just to make sure it doesn't get just too powerful but i think now i love it and it's a great direction for the game i'm gonna give it a love it as well coming from a slightly different angle though since i like the more deck creation aspect of things i think these types of cards really start making people that might be dead set on their colors dead set on their elements dead set on this i'm gonna run mono wind and i'm only run oh shit there's a wind earth card that i actually might want to play all right how can i start maybe creeping earth into this deck and trying something a little new with it anything that encourages deck creation ideas like that or out of the box thinking yeah there's always going to be a meta i get it i'm not talking about that i'm talking about sitting there enjoying your cards coming up with a clever idea even if it you thought you created it and really 90 bajillion other people did that's fine in your little cave while you did it you created that and i love when games do that for themselves create those moments where somebody can sit there by themselves and think they're the smartest person in the world they just found a cool combo and they want to play with it there's no better feeling for me uh and to, than to have that happen or to watch that happen for somebody messing around with a deck and i think these cards are great at that so I'm going to love them as well. Gentlemen, it has been an absolute pleasure. Please say you'll come back and do that. Well, I mean, Kronos, you have to come back. Uh, you'll have to <laughs> oh, come anytime back Anytime you guys week. would love to have me on. Um, next time you see me, though, I will be a Phantasmagorinaire. <laughs> so, so, you know. Where do you want people to follow, uh, Chris, for the RVA returners and everybody? Um, you can check us out on Facebook. Uh, you can like our page there. Um, go ahead and give RVA uh, Snugsy on Twitch TV. Um, uh, you know, a, a like, a follow, subscribe. Um, same thing with our YouTube channel. Go ahead and give us a, a subscribe there. Um, we will start 
generating the content. And I, I feel so bad. We have a website. I cannot remember the name of the website because uh, it just yeah, changed. Return of Death TTG. It's not the same. Okay. Anymore. Is it the same one? Because I thought Adam Duncan changed it for some he might reason. Yeah, if he did, the, the old one is Return as FFTCG. I bet if you just searched it, Google, it'll come. Probably, up. but yeah, that's. I mean, the web again. A lot of those other outlets were a little dry because of the pandemic, but we're gonna start ramping all that stuff back up too. So, but yeah, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. RVA Snugsy is where you want to go on Twitch. So check us out. Absolutely, follow Love them it. all. Follow them all. They are great, great people. I can attest to that personally. Kronos, until next week, where can everybody find you? Oh, I've put the link in chat for everybody, by the way. It's rvareturners.com now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so you can always follow me on Twitter. The handle's below. Um, I've been streaming Street Fighter Five a lot recently. If people want to watch me get really upset. <laughs> um, it hasn't really been nice to me lately. I did hit platinum, but it's whatever. Um, other than that, yeah, I think I'm actually going to be on stream with Chris this Sunday for mm -hmm. uh, the coffee and DS. Coffee and, yeah, coffee and bullshit, baby. It's, it's our Sunday um, thing. And I might be playing some FFTCG on that on Sunday on their, their Twitch channel. So. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm Mike Byrne. You can follow me personally right there at MagicMan1. But more importantly, go head over to ReadyCheckRadio, R-A-I-D-E-O.com. Follow all the socials. Follow us on YouTube. Come and join us live next week if you get the chance. Until then, stay safe, and we'll see you out on the servers. Later. Later.